0: You're here with us as we look today at Luke chapter 2. We've been focusing and thinking about Jesus as the Lamb of God this Christmas season. So, uh, the, one of the main verses that kind of stood out in my mind as I wanted to highlight Jesus this Christmas season is in John chapter 1, where John uh, turns to Uh, the Pharisees, after they'd been questioning him about who he is, John turns when he sees Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And that statement of behold the Lamb, behold the Lamb of God, is really the one that I want us to think about and to stick with us this Christmas season. For Christmas is full of all kinds of busyness. Christmas is full of all kinds of traditions some of which help to to reinforce uh, the story of Jesus, and and some, if we're uh, honest about it, they might be fun, but they don't necessarily reinforce that. And so this Christmas season here, as we gather together for worship, I want us to focus on Jesus. I want us to focus on the Lamb of God, to focus on the one who came, on what Christmas is truly about. And so as we do this morning, we're going to see the Lamb of God revealed. We're going to go to the text where Jesus Christ is presented. And it's a very interesting place. It's very interesting people. And the praise that follows is what we're going to look at this morning. As we open and think about this, though, I want to ask you, just to kind of get your minds going, what's the greatest Christmas present you've ever received? Can you think of one? i've I've got one just dead in my mind. It was christmas nineteen eighty seven because in christmas nineteen eighty seven I got a Nintendo game system. I not only got the Nintendo game system, I got the one with the gun and then the jump pad, right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about and uh, and i was I was so surprised because we were poor, and those things were expensive. It came out in ninety six but they didn't release, very, or 86, they didn't release very many of them, and so like only the rich kids, the snobby kids got them because their parents paid like black market rates from other people to be able to do it because they were selling so much, and so it just wasn't even in my radar that my family would be able to afford, and, and I'd be able to have a, a Nintendo system, but we got one, and I don't want to say it changed my life, but I sure spent a lot of my life on it, uh, <laughs> and so... Um, that was that was the most wonderful gift that I can remember um, ever receiving as, as a child growing up. But today, we're going to look at the first Christmas, and we're going to see the greatest gift that was ever given. The gift that is so wonderful, that is so great, that we celebrate Christmas by giving gifts to our friends and to our family and to our children to show our love to them and it's because first God showed his love to us and so that's what I want us to see this morning uh, I want us to to look at this first giving the, the 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 revealing of Jesus Christ and how it took place if you have Luke chapter 2 let me read this familiar passage verses 1 through 20 this is God's word In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all in the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each in his hometown. And Joseph went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to to, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary Is betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace with those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. As we've been thinking about the Lamb of God, as we've been thinking about the Bible's story of jesus of the one who would come the one who is revealed in luke chapter 2 which i every time i read that text i can only think of charlie brown like don't read it like charlie brown (laughs) but but as we come to that text of the jesus being revealed we we think back about what we've studied and what we thought that this coming of jesus was no surprise But God had been uh, putting this in the works, Ephesians will tell us, since the foundation of the world. But as the Bible reveals to us, from the very beginning in the garden. You remember back, we looked at Genesis chapter 3. And at the moment that sin had entered into the world, the disobedience of man through the influence of Satan through the serpent, God gave a promise that there would be a redemption. God gave a promise that there would be a victory. God gave a promise that he would send his son. We looked last week, if you remember, at Abraham and Isaac in Genesis, as they went up to Mount Moriah, the the very place that the Temple Mount is made, the, the very mountain upon which the cross of Calvary would be. And there they went to sacrifice, and God provided for them a lamb. And so, today, we see that lamb provided, the birth of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah. But if you stop and think about this passage, you stop and think about the story of Christ, and, and, and you stop and think about the arrival of Christ and the incarnation of Christ, and, and, and this day that the shepherds witness, there's some very interesting things that we can learn from it. And I want to group it in three categories from this text. The, the first is the place. The first that I want us to consider is the place that we find that God revealed His Son, that that God revealed the Lamb. The place is in uh, Bethlehem. Again, in verses 1 through 7, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. This was the first registration of Quirinius, the governor of Syria. Just a side note, I love how the Bible leaves those facts. You could go, you, you remember, he was there, they were there, you can go look them up. Those are all facts concerning the Bible, that it's verifiable and that it's true, that you can go and see those things. Verse 3, all went to be registered, each to his homeland. And Joseph went up from Galilee to the town, from, from, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Now, as we think about the place, oh little town of Bethlehem, there's already a hint in this as to the importance. David is of the lineage and the homeland of David, of David the great king, of David the one to whom a promise was made that from you shall come a ruler. To which there will be no end. The one who would always sit upon the throne, the one who all enemies would be defeated. Psalm 110. All of these promises were made to David throughout the Old Testament. There were promises that were made to David, to, that were made to the city of David, Micah 5.2. In fact, it was so common to know that the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that, that, that was to rule and was to come and that was promised, it was so well known that he would come from the city of David that when the wise men come and they sit before Herod, Where do they tell them that they're going? Bethlehem. Because that's where it's going to be. And yet, even though that we know this place, and it's no surprise if we were studying the Old Testament that this is where it would be, it seems as though this place is a place that no one was looking. A place that no one was awaiting. There's a few things I want to think about the place. First is, it's a place of providence. When we read this text, it is uh, amazing when we stop and we, we read and we think about what's going on. Uh, it, it says there's a journey, right? There's a, there's a journey that's going to take place. There's about 70 miles of fairly rough terrain by foot. Of course, we always think that Mary's on a donkey. We don't know that she's on a donkey, okay? But there's a 70-mile journey that has to take place on foot to get them to Bethlehem in the right place at the right time. And they're not there. And she's very much pregnant. Do, do you see the dilemma? All right? Um, I, I have had... Uh, we had five pregnancies and six children because we doubled up on the last one. But I can tell you that in the last trimester, my wife did not ever want to travel. <laughs> Even more so, 70 miles on foot. <laughs> and so this is amazing. It's a place of providence. Look at what God does. God has sent the Lamb. He has prepared them. He's told Mary what's going to happen. He's told Joseph what is going to happen. But there's there's a missing key. And that is Jesus isn't in Bethlehem. And so what does God do? God does something amazing here that's an important lesson for us. God works even through wicked kings trying to accomplish their wicked goals that God's plan will be fulfilled. Do you see that? In the days of Caesar Augustus, under the time of Quinarius, there was a, a registration to be happened, to take place. That registration meant one thing and one thing only, taxes. It's almost first of the year, sorry. It meant taxes, they wanted a count to know how many bodies there were so that they could know how much they needed to tax them so that the, the tax system of Rome, which was very complicated and, and very well enforced, that it could be kept up. It wasn't the intention of Caesar Augustus to go God's Savior is going to come and we got to get him to Bethlehem. We've got to get him there. And yet that's what God is doing. We see God's providence. Friends, I want to tell you, God's providence is at work always in your life. Oh, that great passage from Romans 8. All things work together for good for those who love Christ, for those who are called His purposes. If you are a believer, if you love Jesus, you can have a confidence that though the world doesn't seem right, that though the intentions and and, and the evil that's happening all around you and that affects you, that, that you can't see a purpose and you can't see an end in it, we have a promise in God's providence over all things that even the heart of the King turns in the hand of God. Amen? And we see that. We see the providence that took place. Another thing that we see as we think about the place of Bethlehem where Jesus goes is we see poverty that's used by God. We see the the poverty that's used by God. It reveals God's riches. Now it's very interesting. God sends his Savior to earth. He prepares for her a place. He prepares for a family to which the Savior will be raised. And yet, he provides them with no earthly resources there at the beginning. So much so that they go to the inn and they, they knock on the door and, 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 and they, there's no room, there's no place for them. There's a sermon I preached one time, maybe I'll preach it again one Christmas, about those who ignored Jesus at Christmas. We think of the innkeeper, well, there's no room well, what about his bed? Right? Pregnant, pregnant couple, you know, a pregnant woman walks on your door with her husband. And I'm about to give birth. What do I do? There's no place to say. Oh, go, with the, go in the barn, right? No, you'd be like, here, come in. But Jesus was ignored. And part of the reason that he was ignored is because he comes from a, a family, a young family of, of no means, of no stature. And he comes born into this world very plain, very normal. This shows us in a lot of ways Jesus was, Jesus was a man. Jesus would not, you, you would not have looked at Jesus in his earthly life and went, oh yeah, that's Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He didn't float, he didn't glow, except for the Mount of Transfiguration, but that was one time, okay? He, he, he looked like Fred, Right? In fact, the Bible says that he was quite plain. Uh, We have this picture of Jesus, of, of an American Jesus with long flowing golden locks and bright blue eyes. That is not what Jesus looked like. He was a very normal man of the day. Not only was he a normal man, but he wasn't an esteemed man. He wasn't born into luxury. In fact, he was born into poverty he wasn't born into stature he was born into a very normal working household jesus lived in a way that the bible says that he was humbled he humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant jesus gave up all of what he had in heaven to come to earth to live a normal life to serve and to become the lamb of god to go to the cross and to die in our place second corinthians 8 9 tells us this you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich Hebrews encourages us in this, and verses four in chapter four, verses four, fifteen and sixteen, saying this: For we have a high priest, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every way has, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. What we learn from the poverty of the place and the poverty of the life of Jesus, who himself, at the end of his life, said, I have no place to lay my head. What we learn from what he gave up is that he can identify with us so that when we have a burden, when we have a concern, when we have a normal problem in life, or a hardship, we know that we can go to one that understands. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? one who himself lived as we did, that he might bring the riches of eternal life to us. So we think about the place. Let's also think about the people. Let's think about the, the people who God revealed his son to. Verse 8 tells us that the shepherds, and the, we, we see here shepherds and angels. Verse 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to him, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. Suddenly, there was with the angel a great multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth among those with whom it's well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened. You know, the birth of the Savior didn't happen in a vacuum. There were all kinds of people there. And again, many of them were ignorant as to what was happening. Many of them uh, saw a, a young woman and a young man in a very desperate situation and seemed to ignore them. And yet, the, the ones to whom God reveals what is taking place is quite interesting. God reveals what is happening to shepherds out in the field now we might not know this but if you think about the life and the work of a shepherd it's not really one that you would say man that's what I want to go do you know what I really aspire for in life I want to go live in a field with a bunch of sheep with no one else around and sleep with them and take care of them, just me and my sheep Now, some of you, that might sound good right now with Christmas drama going on, but but the reality of it is, is that it was a hard life, and it was a life that ostracized you from the rest of society, and it was a life that was not one that was really well favored upon. In fact, shepherds were, were thought of as dirty and unclean. There was a whole bunch of rituals that they needed to do just to worship, to come back to be able to to worship at the temple. And their life and their occupation then seemed to make them unclean all the time. Shepherds were were not highly favored. Shepherds were not really celebrated in the culture. It's, ooh, that's a shepherd. And yet, when God reveals his son, he reveals his son. To a group of shepherds isn't that amazing he reveals his son to a, a bunch of shepherds it, it's amazing that these men who tended to many of the lambs that were probably used in the sacrificial system of the old testament many of the lambs that would go to the temple to be sacrificed were the ones that were to come and to greet the announcement of the lamb of god who had come to take away the sins of the world isn't that a beautiful picture That is who God reveals it to. And the reality of what we see in this is we see the heart of God that all people are important. No matter what kind of titles, no matter what kind of thoughts, no matter what kind of dispensations we might put upon a person, that that we might judge them, that we might think because they do this, that they're not good enough because of what they've done, because of what they do, yet God chooses to go and reveal himself to the shepherds. Truly, the Son of God that's born that night is one who's come for all, isn't he? what a beautiful picture we have look, look at the end look at who else is there we see the shepherds but we also see we also see the angels first uh, an angel of the lord appears bright and you know we 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 have a horrible understanding so often about what angels are um you know, you think about, like, the, the little carvings of angels at Cracker Barrel. Um, you know, the, the little precious moments angels. Um, that's not, not what an angel looks like in the Bible, right? When an angel shows up, what do people do? They get really scared. We need to think of angels as more as heavenly warriors than, than, you know, chubby little babies with wings, And that's what happens. An angel of the Lord shows up to make an announcement. And and they're afraid. And he says, uh, do not fear, for I bring to you great news. And the message of the, the Savior, the message of the one that will be a joy for all the people is given first to those shepherds. And then after that, you see the praise of a whole heavenly host. Could you imagine that moment? Where from heaven, all of a sudden, revealed is this army, this host. It's kind of what that that word translates to this army of angels praising and singing glory to God there. The third thing that I want us to think about is the, the praise that we see. You look at verse 14, they say, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth among those who is pleased. Then the angels went away to heaven. the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherd said to another, let's go to Bethlehem and see what's happened. (laughs) I I just imagine that conversation, we need to go. (laughs) And and so they they take off there, and they, they, verse 16, with haste, they're running, right? They see, and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been said to them concerning the child. We see the response of Mary. Uh, that a lot of people wondered, what are these crazy shepherds talking about? <laughs> those, those loony shepherds have been spending too much time with the sheep. But Mary heard this, and she knew because the angel had already revealed to her. So it says that she treasured up these things, pondering them into her heart. And then verse 20, we see... We see more praise. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and that they had seen and it had been told to them. First, again, we see heavenly praise. We see the appearance in verse 9 of of the the angel, and then we see the praise of the host of angels as the the angels all come together and, and praise and sing glory to God. And then we see the human praise. Look at this response in verse 20. In verse 20, God had revealed to these lowly men the infinite value of the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who would come for all men. God reveals it to them, and they go, and they witness, and they they see Jesus. They see just as God has promised, just as the angels had said. And again, think of the oddity of this, okay? An angel comes to you and says, you're going to go find a newborn baby in a barn. <laughs> That's not where newborn babies usually are, right? <laughs> I mean, my, my mom used to ask me when I'd leave the door open, were you born in a barn? But <laughs> she knew that wasn't true. It was St. Luke's Hospital. <laughs> but right, that, the oddity of that, you're going to go find a baby, a newborn baby in a barn, and they go and they find him there. And they come back and they, they praise and they, they, they worship God and they praise God. And they knew and trusted in all that he had said. Friends, this Christmas, the same is true for us. Have we seen Jesus? Has God led us to Christ Have you seen the one who was born for you and who goes to the cross to die for you? Have you trusted in him? Have you seen him? Have your hearts been filled with joy because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you? Then what is your response? It is praise, it is to tell others, it is to treasure up like Mary did. In your heart, the promises of God that you would have hope in all things that you encounter, that you would have faith, that you would have love. All of these promises of God just just pouring out of you. That's why I love Christmas. I love a time of the year where we focus on Jesus, where where the culture focuses on Jesus, where where you see uh, Jesus and you see things about Christ. You see nativities in your neighborhood. I love that. May we be the people who have seen Jesus just as these shepherds, to be amazed and filled with joy and to praise and tell others about who Jesus is. I I love the Christmas story. I I love this story. I love, you know, at times we've had our kids read it on Christmas morning. I know that's a, a tradition many families have. Just hearing their little voices trying to pronounce quinarius is always great. But more than that, I want you to know this. Is this just a story, or have you too seen the Lamb? Have you too, as the shepherds have, witnessed the Savior? Have you looked upon Him and realized who He is? Has God filled your heart with joy? Have you trusted in Christ or is this just a Christmas story? Friends, I hope that this Christmas, as we highlight Jesus, as we've thought about these things, that, that we can trust in him, that we can know that we are in a relationship with Christ. We know that we have been embraced by Christ, and we know that he is our Savior this Christmas. I love it. If you look at this text, the angel It says, born unto you this day. It's personal. Is Jesus personal with you? If he is, there's a lot of things that can be hopeful in this text, isn't it? As we read about and see the providence of God. I know many families in our body are hurting. Many are going through difficult situations and difficult uh, difficult decisions. And and, and the the doubt is always there. God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why has this happened? Remember that God is in control of all things. Even the decisions of Caesar as he brings about this that would happen that his son might be in the right place. That if you love him, he is working all things together for your good. Remember that There is no one outside the grace of God, for Jesus came to be a Savior for all, anyone who would trust in him. This Christmas season, may we be filled with joy and hope and love, but may we also be filled with the message of Jesus, our Savior. Pray with me. Father.